0: You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 20. I think the universe works such that perfect information is not possible. It's like almost against the laws of physics. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Klar. Okay, well, here we are. Another 10 episodes under my belt. Putting out an episode every week has been all right. Not too hard, but I knew going in that it wasn't going to be easy every single week. And I think this is one of those weeks where it was a little difficult. Um, I actually think the discussion that, that I'm going to play for you today was a really interesting discussion. We hit on a lot of new ideas, broke new ground when it came to AI and bots and sort of crystallizing the ideas of perfect information versus imperfect information. Uh, You just heard that I think we should assume the latter in anything substantially complicated. Uh, But the reason why this show was tough was because I've had a fever all day today. Uh, I've been at home and sick. Last night when I spoke to Aaron, I was already starting to get sick, so I think the flow of this episode is going to be a little different. My apologies if I seem scatterbrained at times. Now, possibly on the plus side, I also had less of a filter. That's actually a problem that I want to address. I filter my speech sometimes to be less controversial, but that prevents some of the most interesting stuff from coming through. Not necessarily the most accurate, but the most interesting. And sometimes it's important to express these sentiments clearly so that they can be addressed. So enjoy that. Uh, That's the positive sign of being a little distracted is me losing my filter a little bit. Um, So that'll be interesting. And this episode is also a little less episode, uh, less edited. It's just uh, tough to edit when you have a headache and all that. So anyway, uh, we're going to discuss some of the important news topics and ideas that have come out recently. Fred Ersham's article on blockchain AI marketplaces. I know that that's a lot of buzzwords, but I actually think what he's talking about uh, is the way things will look in the future. Maybe not two years future, but maybe 10 or, or 20 years future. And we're going to hit on some privacy issues, some frustration with travel uh, but the main topic today is a discussion between Chris Messina and Shane Mac on the podcast Machine Yearning. It was recorded last fall, and Chris Messina gave some of uh, gave some of uh, his thoughts on the rise of AI bot agents and what that means for our economy. And since our episode uh, where we do the takedown of AI communism was so popular we decided to talk about this discussion, which was more informed than the last one. But of course, I also add my caveat of no perfect information, which is something that I want the industry to consider more. Um, It's important to note that Chris Messina wrote a follow-up article to this recently in which he says he's correcting himself, or really amending himself, I think. And that follow-up article talked about some important ethical issues when it comes to these bots, um, which is a topic we actually touch on a little bit in our discussion, but we didn't see his follow-up article in Time, so definitely check that out when you get a chance, and maybe that'll be another topic for our discussion later. Uh, Show notes will come out eventually, but they're going to be a little late late this week. Give me a break, folks, please. (laughs) All right, and without further stalling, let's bring on Aaron. All right, Aaron, welcome to the program. Good to be here. It's really interesting. It was a very nice day today, but as you know, I'm sitting here... Uh, in my recording studio, uh, aka my studio apartment. So my recording studio apartment, I guess. And it's there's a thunderstorm. And you know, I have this giant window looking out to, uh, you know, Borough Hill, Cobble Hill, all downtown Brooklyn, all the way out to the harbor and, um, and the Statue of Liberty. And I see these like, these, this sky lighting up and giant bolts of lightning. So it's a little bit it's pretty cool, but it's a little bit frightening at the same time. So we'll see if this works.
1: Have you seen a bolt of lightning strike the Statue of Liberty? Because I, I feel like that's something there that have got to be. Fun. I'm sure there are
0: photos of it. I haven't seen it, but I have had videos of lightning storms out the window uh, before. So I've seen lightning over, you know, the harbor. I don't know where it hits. Very cool. Yeah. So how was your
1: week? Uh, I- Exhausting, Um, but but good. It was was first week back at work after... Uh, after paternity? After my... my Quote unquote paternity leave, yeah.
0: Um, and I also got an x ray this week, as you know. Um, something on my foot, they said an extra bone's growing or something like that. I, I don't know. Uh, well, I'll find out tomorrow what, what goes on with that.
1: It's, it's always disappointing when your mutations don't come with any actual superpowers.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, that really sucks. Well, who knows? Maybe they'll say maybe that will be the diagnosis. So we'll find out tomorrow. Um, but I, I mentioned it because you said that uh, you listened to a podcast on uh, episode on radiology on Tech 2025.
1: Yes, I believe she was interviewing a a radiologist who was actually making the jump into uh, the, the world of, of machine learning and AI. Um, and, and part of the motivation for that was that that particular field is, is one that is uh, Highly suited or highly susceptible to being uh, transformed by by that technology. Um, it, al- already, chances are- that's
0: uh, that's Charlie Oliver, by yes, the way,
1: the, yes. the host. Thank you.
0: Um, yeah, I think I I'm, I'm glad you listened to that because I, I almost always listen to that show, and I think I skipped that one, so mm-hmm. uh, I'll have to go back and, and listen to it. Well, that was but, that was uh, only
1: the second episode I've listened to because I I think the the one you mentioned uh, when when you did mention it was about uh, long-haul truckers. And, right. That was a and, good one. and this, I believe, was the next episode after that.
0: You said they had – they talked about uh, radiologists or the whole field being transformed by AI, uh, but also it's been um, projected to be transformed by AI for a very long time, right?
1: Right. Yeah, I mean – for for a while now, uh, odds are if you get an X ray, w- while the person performing the X ray is is obviously there in the room with you, the person analyzing it is probably not even in that hospital. Hmm. Um, that that that's it was one of the first fields to go kind of go remote because as long as you have a internet connection or or I suppose even back in the day a fax that has high enough quality that they can send a, a, a image, that person can be anywhere and doing the yeah. analysis on it. Uh, and and so once they realize that that you know you're you're sending this data out uh, and it's it's image analysis, there are certain certain things that can be done very effectively by an algorithm that doesn't necessarily require an extra human. Um, yeah, and they may they may have cases have kind of overblown how much of that uh, the human can be completely replaced as opposed to some of the. Uh, Repetitive tasks being handled by by a, an algorithm or automation, right? Um, but well, yeah, it's, it, yeah. it's definitely been a kind of a harbinger of doom in that field for. It sounded like over over a decade that people have been saying, "Oh, you're going to be replaced by by computers. Don't don't bother going into radiology because of that."
0: And it seems like that has not panned out. And even if we get AI diagnosis, you still have that human element in there. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. All right. Uh, obviously, I'm going to have to check that out myself, and um, maybe I'll, I'll report back after I listen to it. Um, uh, just a few news articles before we get into the main topic of the day, which is the you know capitalism versus AI discussion again with uh, uh, Chris Messina on that. Um, we keep coming back to the episode. well on that one. Yeah, 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 on on machine yearning. But uh, a couple of news articles before we get started. First of all, one that came out today, which I found very interesting, which was kind of a a positive thing in a sea of just (laughs) nasty stuff you get on the Twitters. Uh, But uh, in Saudi Arabia, the ban on women driving. So up to this point, women could not drive in Saudi Arabia. You had to be driven around by someone else. Um, That ban was lifted today. And... um, you know, you hear stories of people saying, "Wow, I'm much freer today than I was yesterday." So, like, I read that, and I'm like, "Wow, that's a lot of people," and um, you know, really happy for them. And I also found uh, a Twitter status of somebody who is uh, Saudi woman who's a who's a who's a racer. Am I looking at this correct? The French Grand Prix. So now she can race in her huh. home country, I guess. I don't know how you become a racer.
1: It's, it's probably like those uh, Olympic athletes who compete in the Winter Olympics and come from countries that never ever have any snow or natural ice. So um,
0: they b- become interested in it from afar and then uh, and then train somewhere else. I guess so. Um, which is always fascinating. I guess. I guess it makes sense that some people would become interested in it if it's something you can't do. You or, might be or like,
1: maybe there's a lot of simulator training involved. Yeah,
0: yeah. I guess you could. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was an example. I know I'm not. Um, I'm not here to say, oh, you know, Saudi Arabia is uh, is a free country now or anything like that, or or, or Saudi Arabia or uh, you know, I criticisms of it or, or whatever. But like, hey, I thought that was pretty good news. So. I don't know It's pretty cool to see. Yeah, I mean,
1: there's there's certainly a lot of of room for improvement, but uh, you could say that about aspects of freedom in the U.S. as well. So,
0: I always thought, what would be an equivalent like? Oh my God, this cha- rule change lifts a weight off my shoulders in the U.S. And I thought maybe it would be if they said, "You don't have to go through the TSA anymore." <laughs> <laughs> like just one day, it was just like this whole part of your life is just is just gone. Uh, you know, we're not we're not doing it anymore. Wouldn't it be like Oh my God! Just a, a sigh of relief. I I never knew this was uh, life could be like this. Um, it's it's
1: like even with the it's tough to put it on the same level though because it's not the same We level. remember a time. To- we remember a time before the TSA. I mean, I remember a time before the
0: TSA. <laughs> I guess I flew a little bit, but well, yeah, we we
1: there were was always, young there was tight security in that era. There was always
0: tight. I probably only flew a few times onto that era, and there was still tight security like in the nineties. Um. Like I remember, were still long lines, and uh, you know they're still patting you down. I mean, even in the the movie Airplane, that uh, you know from the seventies, they made fun of airport security. So it's been building on itself for for longer than we've been alive. Uh, I'm sure it, it wouldn't be the same effect on me in my day to day. But um, I don't know. That's just what came to mind. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a better example. Um, all right. Uh, anything else on that? Or let's go over the let's go on to the next one.
1: Yeah, let's, let's move good good news, but but let's move on.
0: All right. I'll move on. I want to point out uh, Fred Ursham's article on medium talking about blockchain-based machine learning marketplaces. And I want to point this out. Well, first of all, I know who Fred, i I've, I know Fred Ursham. I've well, I don't know him very well, but i've I, I met him once. Um, he is the co-founder of Coinbase, which is, you know, one of the largest venture-backed Bitcoin companies in the United States. Uh, I've been to their office a few years ago uh, to give them a technical uh, presentation of some of the stuff that we did at Foursquare and to learn a little bit about them. It was a lot of fun. Um, And uh, they're actually, in some ways, they're controversial in the Bitcoin space because there are some Bitcoiners who say, well, you know, we... Coinbase is kind of like a centralized service, and Bitcoin is all about decentralizing things. But I kind of feel like, hey, you have to have something that's sort of an in between, um, you know, and you have to have some way for normal people to buy their coins uh, in in an easy way, which is what they provide. Um, So now he's off, uh, you know, he uh, stepped away from that, I think, recently to work on some. Some venture funds, but anyway, that's also like blockchain and Bitcoin based. Um, but his article—I don't want to get into too many specifics because there's a lot of specifics in the article, and it's 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 pretty long. But it really is kind of like the holy grail of how all of these technologies come together, <laughs> you know. And I, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot too. You have blockchain, you have machine learning, and you have marketplace. So. This means is blockchain, that means the, the data is decentralized. Machine learning, that means each person is using um, some kind of AI to determine what the right move to make. And third, it's a marketplace. So at one end of the network, there's people buying. At the other end of the people, they're selling. And somehow the buy and sell orders and preferences are getting rerouted throughout the system in a very smart way. Um, Creating, you know, a really intelligent product. It's a very high-level way to think about it. It's not, it's not too uh, specific in terms of what field this is going to disrupt, or whether this is a single system or you're going to have many systems like this. Um, But uh, I thought it makes sense, and I think it's an idea worth uh, exploring further.
1: Yeah, I I definitely liked the idea of it, and and kind of the the inputs and the results made sense, but. My my grasp of it was not strong enough to provide any meaningful critique to uh, that that middle step, um, the 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 big question mark that comes before profit in the three step process.
0: Yeah, well, I guess if you have, are connecting buyers and sellers, I guess the connector uh, takes a fee somehow, and whoever is the most intelligent connector takes the best fees. Yeah. It- um, there, there was, and setting it up it, and talking there. about how it works once it's set up is easy. Setting it up from scratch—that's the hard part. That's the chicken egg problem that you talk about in business. That's that's the incredibly hard portion.
1: Of it. Well, he he alluded to to several things that are kind of working on pieces of this, but it might be tricky to organically grow into what he uh without without some form of guidance uh, and. And at the same time, I think he was saying that, that he doesn't know exactly what form it's going to take, so it's difficult to provide that kind of guidance. But but nonetheless, I, I like the idea of what he's he's talking about there.
0: Sure, sure. I mean, yeah, I, I encourage people to try to think of how this type of thing would work. And, you know, if I ever went off and tried to work on some of my own projects, uh, a, a few of my ideas might look something like this. So <laughs> just warning you. Um, okay, on to the next article. Uh, so we have this one from... The U.S. Supreme Court says that there is a warrant needed uh, to get cell phone location data. In a landmark digital privacy case, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled Friday that police need a warrant before obtaining cell phone location data about a suspect from telecom companies. Now, I'm not sure if you didn't need a warrant before or if somebody was, um, or, or if you did, but some government agency was trying to challenge that so i don't know if this was playing defense on privacy or offense on privacy but uh seems like a pretty good yeah, idea yeah i mean i I, me.
1: I like the uh the the one line result there um i have not read the actual um consensus argument or, or the dissent on the case uh, and and I am not a lawyer so I, I don't know the the finer details of what's going on there but my assumption is that this is a case where uh, previously the police or whatever law enforcement agency had gone to the cell phone company and said give us this, this data and they said uh, do we have to and they said yes you have to but there was no judge, no warrant, no minimum level of of uh, of evidence required to to justify that, uh, and so now the the courts are saying that you need to, uh, as as a law enforcement agency, go before the courts and make your case to a judge, who then signs off on it to force the telecommunication communications company to provide that information.
0: Yeah. Yep. it um, yep. sounds good, but in practice, this, this is
1: completely separate from um, you know. There's th- this doesn't prevent Verizon or or AT and T or whoever from just. Giving away that data, oh, of course, or or selling it to another company or to law enforcement or to the government, uh, but it but it prevents the government from saying give it to us without at least having to meet a minimum standard of evidence, yeah, yeah,
0: or a minimum amount of uh, payment or whatever. I also yeah, think, so, but so you know, separate
1: from that, without a warrant, without a warrant. But, uh, sometimes
0: I think some of these courts just say, you know, they they. I don't know how rubber stamped these warrant courts are.
1: Well, yeah that that is that is one of my concerns, and and particularly uh, and then this this to my knowledge this did not involve the FISA courts, but um, FISA courts are very involved in like wiretapping. Right, um, those are
0: notoriously and for, uh, rubber. Yeah, stampers, the the I'm
1: impression wondering. is that pretty much if if you can fill out a form, then the judge will say sure, give it a wiretap, and and so while there is. "Quote unquote legal due process." There, uh, it is it is in name only, and and I would not be surprised if there are some uh, some legal jurisdictions where that is how this is treated. That yes, they still have to they do get a warrant, but the step of getting a warrant is is purely paper pushing as opposed to actually uh, restricting the actions of, of investigators. Whether checking that it's a good
0: idea or not. Well, okay.
1: but, good but, to know. <laughs> but again, not not a lawyer, not in law enforcement, not a professional in the telecommunications industry, at least in that sector. So, so we have to repeat can
0: legal advice or investment amateur. advice from this podcast. <laughs>
1: The investment advice you get from this podcast is worth exactly what. Well, you paid
0: Well, look, I I don't agree. I think that <laughs> there are some great ideas in this podcast, and if you could suss them out, you can uh, you can make a lot. But if you totally just you know take a, a sentiment that we have and just just trade on it, that's probably not a good idea. But. Again, we're not giving specific advice. We're just we are providing knowledge on this podcast. Okay. It's an investment in knowledge yeah, always pays the I, highest I, dividend. Who said that? That I was I
1: uh, think the takeaway that was, is uh, this this case is a win yeah. for fourth amendment rights and 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 protections of of persons in the United States. Good to States. know. So good so know. good okay. on that front. Now
0: yeah. let's talk about the main idea because actually our most um, our most talked about Podcast episode on the local maximum. The one that's gotten the most response so far is, I believe it was episode. Uh, I want to say fourteen. I could be wrong, uh, but the one with the AI will lead to the death of capitalism, and like you know, the communist world will rise up. Yes, it was episode fourteen. Robot communism sucks. I I tend not to put that kind of. Harsh language in the title, but that that was just so uh, amusing that I had to I had to put it that way because it was it was kind of funny. Uh, but um, now I have well, we found a a discussion on the Machine Yearning podcast, which is a uh, new podcast from a company called Assist. The interviewer Shane Mack, interviewing Chris Messina, where they sort of touched on this a little bit, but they had a pretty different twist on you know. Uh, the effect of AI and machine learning on quote unquote capitalism. So I want to kind of summarize what they were saying and then maybe we could talk about so just it. Just out of curiosity,
1: bit. how did you find machine yearning? Do you, do you know either uh, Shane or Chris through, through your various circles or, or did you stumble upon this? I,
0: I follow. Yes. No, I follow okay. Chris Messina on Twitter. I've seen him speak at multiple conferences um, I've seen some of his videos. He's very well known in you know the tech industry. He's, I mean, they introduced him as the inventor of the hashtag. Um, he's very much into bots. So when I was building Marsbot, you know, he was one of the main thinkers on bots and their future. And I, you know, he's used Marsbot. He has said uh, on Twitter very nice things about Marsbot. So I am very grateful for that. Um, so. You know he he knows his stuff in in the industry in terms of what's coming. Excellent. Okay, so they asked. So so Shane asked Chris Messina, um, you know what is the what is a brand in the future? And you know they said, well uh, he said, well you know there are these consumer bots coming, and they're coming before enterprise bots. That means bots that talk to people and help you, kind of like Marsbot, but also you know I'm talking about. Um, the Amazon Echo, the A-L-E-X-A, don't (laughs) listen to me, (laughs) or or Google Now or all of these things. And, um, and, uh, you know, they will help you make your purchases. And so the idea came up that, well, you know, brands exist because the brain can't remember enough. So the idea is, okay, I can't remember, you know, I can't come up with a preference on product on every little thing. I can't remember, you know, who sold me what. And, you know, I I can't do my research on every single product uh, to make sure that this product is exactly what I want. So instead I remember brands that I like, and I say, well, I like this brand, so I'm just going to trust them. Um, And then, that way you have a smaller number of brands to choose between. And once you choose the brands that you like, you can make your purchasing decisions easier. They're less optimal than if you dove in and looked at the specific products and all of their different configurations. But it's uh, less costly in terms of you know, brain attention, um, but also uh, uh, so more efficient that way, but sort of less efficient from an information um, theoretic, like in terms of information being used efficiently across the market way. And so the idea is that, you know, you have now a, a broker in terms of these, um, in terms of these chat bots where you go to a chat bot and you tell it, Hey, I have this problem and I want this product. Um, let's say I want batteries or I want toilet paper or I want, of course, if you ask for that uh, uh, on the Amazon, um, Machine, <clears throat> they're going to uh, uh, give you Amazon's Amazon brand, uh, but you know all you have to do, right, all right But all you have to do here is come up with the bot that you like, and then the bot will choose between all the products that you like. So in other words, um, they kind of told it about, you know, in their view, it was sort of like the bots are or the agents are the only brands that matter. And then all the other brands will just be fighting over specs that um, the things know about. You know, I don't think I wouldn't go to that extreme. I would just say, well, the importance of the bot that you choose to use, that, you choose, that will be one of the brands you choose. But you'll still have preferences on, on brands on the back end, because I don't think that a bot can know infinite amount about you.
1: Yeah, so- you're, you're saying that that uh, either, and I can say because I don't have one in the room, but uh, Alexa or Siri.
0: Yeah, I have my headphones on, so or, it can't hear me. Or okay. uh,
1: or the Google Assistant will be your brand, or or whatever.
0: It's funny. I'm like a
1: places <laughs> those in, in in the future, um, or supplants those in the future, um, and and that'll be based on their ability to uh determine the highest quality products that meet your particular needs with, with whatever algorithm they're using under the hood, as opposed to saying, well, I'm a Duracell as opposed to an Energizer guy because of whatever formative experience I've had between the two, or maybe because my parents always bought that, or I like the bunny in the commercial, or what, whatever it is that caused me to be brand loyal in the past to a particular product. No, I'm brand loyal to my my assistant or my bot that I trust will always find me the best option.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I have I somewhat agree with this, but I have a uh, uh, let's say a friendly amendment uh, to this sentiment because I think that yes, these agents are going to be personalized. That was the whole point of Marsbot, was to learn about you. And there's a big, long way to go on stuff that it can learn about you. And I think that, you know, like at foursquare, you can learn where you go. Google knows where you search. We know an incredible amount of person, but uh, about a person. And we could use that to help drive the recommendations and even drive the final thing that's purchased in some cases. But As I said on my appearance in Artificially uh, Artificially Intelligent, that other podcast that, that, that I was being interviewed on, I think we have to make a distinction between having an order of magnitude more information than we do now, which I think we absolutely will, versus having an infinite or perfect information. Because I believe that perfect information is really not possible, but order of magnitude increase of information is. And so we should think about the latter and not the former. And when you don't have infinite information, I believe that these bots, first of all, they can't make the final purchasing decision for you in all cases. And secondly, there's going to be stuff about you that it's not going to know. I think there's stuff about each person that even we don't know, we have to think about. So let me give you an example just to illustrate this, right? Um, Four years ago, when I found this apartment, um i had to go through uh the uh the incredible experience of finding an apartment and shopping for an apartment in new york city right and i'm sure you've you've looked for houses too um and uh yes it's an order of magnitude tougher in new york city but uh sure you 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 had some trouble so yeah, I'm sure it was so not maybe a you quick had to- and
1: easy and pleasant experience
0: yeah yeah but the question is what is it about Uh, a place to live that uh, makes you choose one place over another. And when you think about this question, you realize that there are so many different dimensions that it's almost impossible to A, list them all, and B, um, you know, try to figure out what, which ones are how to like rank them in terms of importance or like, you know, rate them in terms of importance or see how they interact with each other. So just in terms of an apartment. Okay. You have the easy one, right? Price. I'd rather pay less than pay more. Okay. Um, another one is close to the subway. Okay. Um, but then there's a lot of questions to ask. Well, what places do you need to travel to day to day? And then there's a follow up questions: Are is any of that expected to change? Like, you know, if I work somewhere, and it's like, yes, this apartment is very convenient to that workplace. Well, it really matters whether I plan on staying in that office for the next five years, or whether I think, no, that'll probably change, and I can't really predict where it's going to go. Um, now let's talk about, you know, the aesthetics of the place. Aesthetics is very important. You want to wake up uh, be in your apartment and you want to be, you know, you want to be happy with where you are. And so the, you know, is, is a view important? Well, you know, you could say, yes, um, you know, like I would say, I don't want a view to the brick wall, but I've seen a lot of great views. And some of them I'm like, well, I don't like that building right in front of me. It looks uglier than this other one. Okay. I mean, how is, how is an algorithm going to figure that out?
1: Pretty hard into, into subjective. Um, right, right. And, well, and, and that's yeah. the that's piece there.
0: Right, right. And so it's all subjective. I mean, I suppose uh, machines could start asking you these questions and start, you know, hey, does my furniture fit? <laughs> you know, that's a big one. <laughs> um, you know, are there, uh, do, I don't like this place because the there there aren't any, like the angles aren't quite right. You know, there, there are all sorts of little things that could make you choose. And I don't think like If you look at someone who's trying to choose an apartment and you ask them, okay, rank these in terms of which are most important, which are least important, I think people would have a hard time ranking them. And they'd start asking, well, you know, is the view important? And they might be like, well, how bad is the view we talking about here? You know, <laughs>
1: well, even, even um, to take it a step back and, and, and this is a, a very complex problem that, that would be, obviously the view is different from to an apart,
0: apartment in New York city. Cause you only have a certain number of windows, but it still matters, you know, out in the country or wherever you are. Uh, right, but, yeah. but, but,
1: but to simplify it's drastically, yeah. uh, if you're shopping for electronics yeah. and, and, and let's, narrow it down to I I want to shop a TV. Right. And if you've ever been to a website where they've got the you know, select you know four or five different items and, and click the compare button. Yeah. Um and, and then you can look at all the stats. Right. Um pretty much everywhere I've done that, uh, I've I've looked down those stats and not everything will be filled out kind of in an equal grid. And And inevitably, there'll be, you know, one category, it'll be, uh, I don't know, refresh rate. And three of them will have a value list and there'll be nothing for the fourth. And then there'll be another category that's something slightly differently worded in their database, but means the same thing and it'll list that value. So it's in a different column and and you can't direct. So if a a bot was trying to interpret that, it would be a mess. And and if it's something as simple as comparing two or you know th- comparing four different TVs, which which have pretty much all the same uh, you know categories of stats on them, but but we can't even get a database to to clearly line up all those comparisons. I can't imagine how you would do that for something that involves any sort of subjective categories. That that there's a lot of work that needs to be done before we can effectively send send an AI AI off and expect it to. To crunch that effectively, without having somebody imagine a world where
0: these AIs and these bots are ten times better than they are now. Maybe you can come up with a solution. Well, I know you could probably come up with a solution to the, you know, multiple columns thing. Like maybe, uh, maybe it'll just it'll just know, and maybe it'll know certain things about you that, well. You know, maybe
1: I mean pressure. there's probably some bot that that's the job is to clean up databases and and make yeah, all that nice and pretty so everybody else can deal with it yeah, more yeah. effectively. And
0: so maybe there's a bot that knows about you know your apartment layout and or your house layout. So I forget that not everyone lives in New York City. I sorry. There's a world beyond this uh, <laughs> this this land here. It's a, essentially its own country. Um, yes, a bot can figure out a lot more than it does now, but. I don't see, I still see the long tail of preferences that even a human being, when we live in a world where even a human being can't always verbalize all of their own preferences, then it's um, just not going to be possible to achieve the perfect information, which means that um, the brands don't go
1: away. It makes me think of performance reviews, which, which is okay. Now let's take your sub- subjective, uh, difficult to quantify performance over the past year and put a number between one and five on it in several different categories, yeah. so that I can crunch it in a in a in a spreadsheet and compare you to everybody else <laughs> with these somewhat arbitrary ratings with other people it's- rating
0: like everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've I, I've been at a company like that. Uh, I hope the a- the annual reviews for me are just like, you know tell me a few ways that I can improve from my coworkers and um, I don't have to agree with all of them. So I'll go through them and I'll be like, okay, I agree with these two and I'll work on these two and Whoever wrote this one can go to hell. Basically, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> I mean, sometimes uh, you can't always fix everything at once. It's uh, it's overwhelming. Or sometimes you don't agree. Sometimes you, a lot of times in 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 these reviews, you think that someone is trying to mold you in their image, and you're like, I don't want to be like that guy. So, you know, why would I take their advice? I hate to be. Um, no, someone's gonna someone's gonna find this recording and somehow
1: use against me. I know. <laughs> It's going to come back to bite you. I'm going to put
0: it in anyway, just because, you know, if I don't keep this, if I (laughs) cut out all the stuff that could possibly come back to bite me, this will just be a boring podcast. Um, Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So, um, yeah. So
1: So, so we were talking about perfect information versus uh, orders of magnitude more information. Right.
0: I think it's a very important distinction. Um, And then I realized, so first of all, um, you know, this sort of, capitalism is not the right model for AI, I think was the way he put it. But I don't think, you know, whenever you see something like this, you have to dive in and see what they're really talking about. And it turns out that in this case, they're talking about something very different from what the professor in the Washington Post was putting where the professor in the Washington Post was basically saying that, you know, um, uh, capitalism is no longer going to work because, you know, das capital. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> and uh, the workers going to rise, and we got uh, our socialist society coming right up for you. Uh, no, this one and now the, the the one similarity is perfect information, which is I, I think we have to have more discussions about that because I think that is. That is kind of the common risk That's the common way where I think that I think a lot differently from other people in the field. Is I don't see perfect information as a possible way. Like I don't. I think the universe works such that pers- perfect information is not possible. It's not. It's not allowed in our universe. It's like it's almost against the laws of physics, in my view.
1: Well, and, and and this this goes back to the very beginning. Uh, I I believe in episode zero where we were talking about the difference between Bayesian and, and, and frequentist uh, approaches that. That uh, uh, if, if you have perfect information, then perhaps a frequentist uh, analysis is, is more appropriate in some cases. But but in these imperfect information cases, uh, a Bayesian approach fre- frequently uh, it <laughs> proves to, to be a, a more nuanced way of looking at it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to dive into that a lot more in next week's episode where I'm going to have a long monologue on what is um, – what is information? What is a fact versus a belief, and what is subjective probability? So, I'm going to have it's going to so be like next
1: time on the local. Max it's
0: going to be episode zero on or some of our discussions episode zero on steroids, basically. Um, so it'll be uh, it'll be very fascinating. I, I'm I'm psyched to kind of try to state that. Um, so yeah, so I think they weren't talking about the end of capitalism. They weren't talking about the end of you know. Uh, free trade or anything like that, um, but more like uh, AI will force the current marketplace structure to evolve and be more efficient. I think that's the way you said it before.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's not so much that it'll be the end of capitalism, uh, like like that previous article mentioned, but that uh, a post AI world capitalism will look different than it looks today. Right. Right. And and and, and that's because uh, this this talk of of enterprise bots versus consumer bots, and what does a brand mean? That these brands, which which have been somewhat dominant, and and the kind of multinational corporations, the, the 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 big actors, will not necessarily own the marketplace in the way that they do today. That there'll there'll be a major shift, but it will still be a system uh, built around markets and things. Right, right. And
0: I think that you know I agree with the idea that we could have more agents out there. Um, being like, okay, I am going to, like, here's the service you signed up for. You have an agent. It finds out about you. Uh, I have a budget. I know your budget. I am going to make purchases for you that I don't necessarily run by you, but I use all the information at my disposal to look out for your interests. And I'd be like, okay, I trust this agent uh, to do so. And so a lot of the purchasing decisions will be made by bots, but I think it will be a gradual process and, I think it's not a process that is totally alien to us in today's world. Um, You know, we trust third parties to do stuff for us all the time. I mean, we sort of think, okay, but I make the final decision on the purchase. But not really. Like, if you, you know, you often purchase things in packages and you let the you know, company decide what goes in your piece of technology. What goes in your your tour when when you're a tourist? Like, what you know, what goes in your 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 tour package? Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, well, the, in the last that is, three or four years, there's an explosion direct- in in these subscription yeah. boxes. Where I will give you, you know, I don't know what is a hundred bucks a month or a couple hundred bucks a quarter, and send me a box with things that, based on the information I've given you, you think that I will enjoy and will enrich my life. And and that's that's very much a step in that direction. Although although I don't know, there's some of them tout the fact that that there is you know a a a stylist or or an expert who will be choosing these for you. But I'm sure that there are some of them that use some sort of AI algorithm to to yeah. pick those things um, out.
0: Yeah. And a lot of these things use, you know, AI. I, I forgot. I'm, I'm trying to remember what, what some of these companies are. I don't know off the top of my head, but there are definitely companies that use recommender systems. Uh, and it, I remember this because I've been to the recommender system conference several times. And there are companies working on products that will just send you stuff. And it'll be like, yeah, if you like it, you keep it. And if not, you sent it back. And um, we're just basing it on, you know, AI. We're basing it on our recommender system. So already happening, um, yeah. and it's been happening for quite a while.
1: Well, and, and that's that's interesting because it kind of it straddles this brand identity thing. That on the one hand, and many people do, but in my experience, I haven't I haven't met anyone who I've said, "Oh, I, I, you know, I, I, I like the the shirt." Or the bag that you've got, and they say, "Oh, I got it through this subscription service." Right. No, they might say, "Oh, it's it's such and such a brand," um, even though they didn't go out actively seeking that brand necessarily, but they still identify with the brand once once it's in hand. So yeah. Yeah. we're we're in kind of a, a transitional space there, un, un, unless we start seeing all of that stuff that that no longer will you will you have your uh, your designer bags it'll it'll say you know brought to you by amazon not not maybe not amazon basics but uh, amazon glamour or something <laughs> amazon Glamour, a premium don't line. give
0: just jeff, jeff bezos yeah. any ideas <laughs> um, he's already too busy with space right now come on gotta have that space force um okay so um yeah. Let's, let's think about that. I do like the idea that right now there are too many sites and too many apps. And so we need to reduce that mental overload into just saying, you know, this is what I need.
1: Yeah. One, one that, that we didn't even mention when we were talking about this previously, but um, booking travel. Yeah. So, so you can go to any of the airlines, right. you can go to any of the travel agencies, or you can go to one of several aggregators, not all of whom necessarily aggregate from the same sources, uh, and then there are aggregator aggregators. And, and it's it's just a mess. How do you know at what point you're getting the best deal or or getting the most efficient use of your time out of the search process?
0: Yeah. I, I use Google and I think they're pretty good. Um, and I also, you know, I have AA advantage, uh, American Airlines. So I, I try to use my points. So, um, so you're
1: you're loyal to a brand there to some extent?
0: To some extent, to some extent. I mean, I'll look at i'll I'll look at both basically, and then I'll make my choice. There are certain airlines that I like more than others um but uh price matters and um you know uh it's yeah per-
1: personally, it's, I think Delta is the worst airline except for all of the others, so to some extent, I'm a Delta <laughs> man, but <laughs> well there's but that also, was not I entirely mean, my own choice. I kind of fell Have into you that.
0: ever flown sprint or, or or uh sorry spirit or Allegiant?
1: Allegiant, I definitely haven't. I think I may have flown Spirit at one point.
0: I. I Are they heard, one of the,
1: the super low cost ones? Yeah,
0: yeah. I heard that's uh, a little rough to uh, maybe understate it. <laughs> um,
1: if, if I have it, was a day ago, so I, I don't know if that was actually them or if it was another airline that maybe doesn't exist anymore. Yeah.
0: So, and it, so speaking of booking travel, like I was, um, I had to deal with a travel issue the other day. And it made me realize how difficult it would be to handle certain things uh, with an AI um, until you get something so intelligent. But even if you get something up to human level intelligence, it might not really. uh, Well, let me give you the example and then we could talk about it. So, you know, I called up the phone and it wasn't really too intelligent. It was just a, you know, dial one for this, two for that. But it was like, Hey, would you like to dial one for canceling a flight? B for checking. Two for checking your reservation. Three for making your reservation. Four to inquire about flight times and prices. That sort of thing, right? And then I'm like, uh, none of these. And then it said, <laughs> "Please state your uh, your request." And I said, "Well, uh, I." used my points to put a flight on hold and now I have 24 hours to decide whether I want to keep it but I want to know if maybe I just want to pay cash or maybe if I could just use my points on the way there and use my cash on the way back or do it vice versa and then I want to sort of decide between all those options how is a <laughs> bot ever going to get that i mean that's and by the way it hooked me up with a with a human and the person was very good not only did they take me through the options. They looked for other flights that might work for me. And also, they helped me determine, like they asked me questions about, you know, my points and how often I travel and stuff to sort of help me think about how to make that decision. So the human uh, at at American Airlines or AA Advantage was actually extremely helpful. But if you asked me to build a machine that was that helpful, man, even I'd be stumped. I think you'd be general AI.
1: I'm almost never calling a company uh when when the question I want answered could be answered or or dealt with by going to their website which those right. those first four options those are all things I could more easily do by going to their website and not have to deal with listening on a phone and talking to a to a machine, which which is still something right. that that I have kind of a bias against, and it's it's probably based on the early days of really egregious, uh, yeah, you know, phone decision trees. But
0: hey, but not only that, like it's um, I I think the problem is a lot of people do call the airlines with these simple queries, which is why it sort of ruins it for the rest of us. Yeah, so. That's they have to kind of. Well, and
1: and the other problem is that that even even if you know how to short circuit it to to you know skip through the whole phone tree and get me immediately to the, I need to talk to a real live Yell person. At
0: it. That's what works for me.
1: Uh, but but most of the time, you still then then you go into a waiting queue because everybody else wants that same thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 and it could be. Could last fifteen minutes. It could now. Now they'll call you back, which is kind of nice. But it's still, you, you know, you still can't start something big while you're waiting for that phone call.
1: I, I was calling uh, the the state house last week to to. Uh, I, I wanted to express my displeasure about something with the governor. Um, and I won't get into the politics of that, but uh, after I got through the phone tree and, and and made it clear that yes, I I want to talk to you know a an aide or or a constituent services person or or, or whatever the term they used was, it's like okay. Um, you can either give us your number and we'll call you back at some point in the future, or stay on hold while we wait for somebody to actually be able to answer the phone. And and I was on hold for uh, maybe it was ten or fifteen minutes before I finally got a person and you know had my thirty seconds say what I need to say, and then I was done. Uh, but I I feel like frequently that when I'm trying to get to an actual person, that's kind of the experience. I spend more time waiting in the queue to get to the person than I do actually telling them yeah. what yeah. I have to tell. All them. right, so I
0: think we've almost wrapped this up or we're almost out of time. Is there anything else that we should say about this before moving on?
1: Yeah, there was a little bit of talk about how kind of in, uh, I, I I guess they, they talked about the the different stages of of not really the the evolvement of the evolution of the web, but how at one point it was, everything was about your website. And then uh, with the advent of of kind of the iPhone and, and and smartphones in general, it became every everything became about your app as a company. And that was how you got frontage in front of a person. And so with the website, there was search engine optimization. And with the app, there there are other ways that you can kind of optimize to get get that app opened in front of people. Uh, and and in a a post app world where where it's being handled more by these these bots, these Uh, digital assistants or or, or whatever the the term of of art for them becomes. Uh, There's going to be some new level of of optimization or or brand jockeying, but it's all going to happen behind the scenes so that when Alexa or Siri or the Google Assistant gets a request for, for batteries, that your battery brand makes it to the top of that stack, whether you're Energizer or... Uh, or Duracell, or you know Joe Bob's battery company from the Midwest—that uh, that you float to the top somehow, right? So and, and that's where the competition is going to take place. Less so than than you know putting uh, Super Bowl ads with the Energizer Bunny.
0: Right. So think of it. I think of it as SEO for bots. So SEO is search engine yeah. optimization. It's you know how do I get my website to the top of Google? And there was that was a bit of a dark art you know, 10, 15 years ago, where there are ways to like hack it. Google's gotten really smart now. I think the answer a lot of times now is A, make it actually genuinely a good website. But then on top of that, there are things you could do, you could clean up on the back end, like, you know, A, like having your domain name registered for a longer period of time, I think was one of them, although all of this could be outdated information, having, you know, having your HTML not be
1: it's it's definitely a moving target because m- much like uh, like viruses and, and and hacking that as as Google or whoever owns the the uh, the rankings is determining how people are gaming the system they try and counteract that so that that it's showing I legitimate that, value not yeah. not just who paid somebody to go and tweak their their stats right
0: but I do assume that having your having your domain name for longer does should matter because you did pay for that so. It's not like something that you can do. It, it may be very much like
1: like on uh, on certain forums or or news boards where you know you you can't post uh, if you've only, been, uh, had, you know, had a username for for a certain period of time, or you you require moderation if you've only had you know x number of posts or less because you're not a known quantity. Man,
0: I've been noticing, yeah, I've been noticing on the Reddit you know Bitcoin board. <laughs> uh, Right now, there are a lot of people who are saying, like, really, really, you know, negative things about Bitcoin, but some of it looks very ridiculous. And every single time when I look up at the username, it says "Redditor" for three weeks or something like that.
1: Well, and that could be a number of things. It could be that they they've created the account just to do that. It could be they've been on Reddit a long time, but they were banned or kicked out for something they said before, and so this is this is their new identity. <laughs> or yeah. or they could just be that they're they're new to that particular space, but maybe they they have something valid to say. Everyone
0: who talks like that?
1: Yeah. Well, this, this is very dangerously um, close to fake news I, and sock puppets, but that's, that's the topic for the day.
0: Right, right. No, but I Reddit, Reddit is one of those companies where I, I think, you know, they've done a better job. At least I can tell a lot more easily. Like when I go on a lot of different subreddits, I can tell, you know, oftentimes you have a group of trolls who – and it says it right there in their username that they're just brand new people. And so you say, Oh, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I know something is going on.
1: Yeah. That, that, that tends to be kind of a red flag there for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's all of them, Yeah, you know, if, you know, it's not the guys who've been putting and gals have been posting on that for, you know, years.
1: Well, so so There there are two more things I wanted to mention real quick on
0: on uh, Christmas uh,
1: discussion. Um, one was yeah. we we've, we've been talking about Amazon, uh, kind of uh, going back and forth here, um, and and we, we mentioned Amazon Basics, and uh, you know, if if you have a an assistant that not only is providing you the the service of selecting products for you, but also uh, works for a company that has their own branded products, such as Amazon Basics, uh, is there a conflict of interest there? And I'm I'm surprised we haven't heard more discussion. Uh, kind of in the mainstream about that. Because from from my perspective, it absolutely is a conflict of interest, especially because Amazon also has the ability to, uh, and I'm not saying they are doing this, but how would we know that they're not going uh, under the hood and tweaking reviews for both their own products and the products of the, the competitors to their own products uh, to ensure that not only does Amazon Basics products come up first at search, but also that it it appears to be the hands down winner in a, a you know apples to apples comparison.
0: This is why I've suggested at FourSquare HQ that we should just open a cafe. You know, we can uh, make sure it has the best reviews. We could send everyone <laughs> to it. <We> <laughs> uh, kidding, of course. Um, no, but uh, am, um yeah, I, I think it's. This is part of trusting the the top level brand, right? right
1: and and they, and they can get away with that at this point. And people aren't openly asking that question because Amazon yeah. has built so much brand reputation. I don't care if they send me
0: their batteries, so so to be honest. Things.
1: Yeah, they and yeah, they they be, be, between their their two day shipping and Prime and everything else they're doing, people will say, "Oh, Amazon brand on it." it I, I trust it implicitly, and. And I haven't had an experience that's made me say, eh, I don't know about that. I, I've i read a couple of things that have said, like, for example, the Amazon Basics AA batteries might be slightly out of spec, mm. uh, but I had personally had that experience, so who knows? Yeah. Maybe, maybe they... I mean, and, and that's the other thing is, it's not like they're actually manufacturing them. They're partnering right. with uh, most likely somewhere in, in Asia uh, and, and slapping their brand on it, so it's something to keep an eye on. and and which is related to that is is something that that Chris mentioned um, and I I think you quoted out in the notes here is that that in terms of interaction with with these bots or or these brands is the the baseline level of, of what makes for a good interaction is such a low bar um, but but the flip side of that is how do you use this information uh, in an effective manner without crossing that line into being overtly creepy because like, we know they're collecting all this information yeah. on us and and on the one hand if if they uh, I don't know if if Amazon says you know, bots are stupid, I, I noticed be it's, smart, it's been four be, weeks yes. since you bought toilet paper uh, yeah, I figured you're probably running out by now aren't you? That that could be super helpful and it's like oh yeah I, I didn't I've, I've got two rolls left I should probably order now or it could be that's just really creepy that you're Monitoring my bathroom habits in some fashion, and I'm not okay with that. And and I'm sure there are better examples, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, it's knowing knowing how to use that information in a, a manner that is, and, and and part of it is is function, but also tone. That right. That you it it could very well be a useful thing, but if it's if the message isn't delivered in the right tone, then then it completely fires. Uh, and and we've seen that with social yeah. media uh, um, uh, managers at at you know Fortune 500 companies that they yeah. they put their foot we in their we mouth. We learn this so all the time,
0: like people skills. Yeah, people skills are extremely important, and uh, people skills is a is a general AI problem. It cannot be solved really with narrow AI, although you can maybe get certain aspects of it.
1: Yeah so I, and I think the the final thing I wanted to mention on this is is we've we've talked about kind of the big 3 in in these uh, digital assistants right now being Alexa, Siri and and the Google Assistant. And and there are a couple others out there. I think it's yeah is it uh is it Samsung has like Bixby on their phones and
0: uh, maybe well uh, Cortana, Cortana Microsoft. from um, yeah. Microsoft. Those
1: those are less so because they have Somewhat smaller um, so. ecosystems, uh, yeah. but but right now um, you're you're kind of locked into a particular ecosystem, or or you have to use multiple assistants for your your multiple uh, kind of digital spaces. Uh, and part of that is tied tied to the marketplaces. Like if you want to shop on Amazon, you you use Alexa, and if you want to uh, you know search for YouTube videos, you're Probably going to be best using the Google Assistant and anything yeah. you know, Apple TV. That's going to be that's going to be Siri. Uh, but I think the future of this is is going to divorce the assistant from the the hardware uh, in in the case of of you know the the Alexa devices uh, and and to some extent even the ecosystem. So um, you you will have a, a third party assistant. Uh, that you can easily swap in and out if if you decide that uh, you know today Alexa is not meeting my needs and and the Google assistant better understands me and 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 better uses my data to to assess what I what I really want, you should be able to flip switch and transfer that responsibility over, but still have access to all of the same, you know, it's it's your data that's using. And and so you would in an ideal world own that, which which loops back to the that uh, uh, the Fred Ursham article, um, because a big piece of that was was enabling people to own their own data, but still uh, kind of lease it out to stake that for for use in, in these algorithms. Um, but so so all that data about you that the the assistant is using, you own that. Uh, but you can swap out the the AI, the algorithm, the machine learning that's operating on that to get a better result if you're satisfied with the particular one that you're using. So that's, that's the yeah. future I our, want. I don't know how we get from here to point. there, but that's the future yeah. I want.
0: No, that's a very good point. That's a very good way to end on. And that almost loops it back around to the way something like Google started, where we're not going to build the websites. We're just going to index them and search them for you with a, with an intelligent algorithm. And so, you know, you want your agents to do the same thing, but it's a way different pro- problem. It's the, it's, it's the maybe the equivalent problem uh, you know, 30 years later or 20 years later or h- however long well, it n- No one ever said um,
1: technology wasn't cyclical. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So next week I am Going on vacation, I'm going down to Georgia and South Carolina, going to have a good time with family on the beach, but that is not going to stop me from putting out an episode. Next week, I have a solo episode, and I'm going to wax philosophical, which is something that um, I'm a little nervous about because I'm not a philosopher, but I'm going to talk about the nature of facts, beliefs, and probability, and how to sort of juggle all of that when, when you're solving real world problems, when I'm solving real real world problems. So this is, this is how I think about this stuff in terms of, you know, Hey, I have, you know, thought about this stuff because I have to solve technical problems in the real world because I am a machine learning engineer. And then I started, you know, going down the rabbit hole a little bit more into Bayesian statistics. Okay. What is a belief? um, And what is a fact versus a belief? So I am going to lay out my current thinking on all of these questions. I think it's a fascinating topic. I hope there are people out there who find it as fascinating as me and, um, and uh, can give me feedback, and then we can start a little discussion there. So uh, uh, look forward to that for next week. Um, see you later, everyone. See you later, Aaron.
1: Thanks for having me again.
0: Yep, and have a good week, everyone. That's the show. If you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you want to keep up, remember to follow The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at MaxGlob. Have a great week.
1: feel the power you say. You're going to